All right, what's up, everybody? We are live right now with the Painless Wholesaling Podcast. I got my guest on here, Michael McDonald. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? I'm so excited to be here. Pumped dude, for this. I'm glad to have you. Now, everybody, if this is your first time tuning in to the Painless Wholesaling Podcast, what we do at the Painless Wholesaling Podcast is we invite experts in the industry, uh, real estate investors to come on. We ask them questions about how they got started. We will find out and learn from them so we can learn from their experiences so we don't have the pain of going through the real estate journey and making the mistakes that we can hopefully learn from others to, to avoid. So Michael, we're having you on here. We want to learn from your experiences. So, you know, we don't, we don't feel that, that hurt. You know what I'm saying? I feel you, man. I feel you. Sometimes, uh, you know, you don't have to go through that pain if you just learn from the right person. Right. That's right. And we, we, before we got on here, we're talking about masterminds and how important those are to avoid the hurt. I mean, it's, it's helped me a ton to, uh, you know, level up and uh, avoid big mistakes by learning from other people. And we were talking about, we just joined the family. So that's, that's mastermind everybody. If you didn't know what that is, but yeah, masterminds are great for avoiding that. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I have, a, I've invested heavily in education and masterminds to get me to the knowledge I have now today. So what, what do you think in your opinions better? Is it masterminds or, uh, like coaching programs specifically about like learning a specific, uh, skill set what what do you like more i mean these days i like masterminds because i've got the fundamentals and i mm -hmm. know the business but in the beginning i would say having the the content to actually go through and understand the fundamentals and the ins and outs is probably more important than a mastermind mm -hmm. um, masterminds are gonna give you some cheat codes and you know maybe some secrets but it's not necessarily going to show you how to wholesale a house or how to do it without any money or, or whatever the case um you can have those conversations, but they're not going to be like, here's a course. Yeah. I think, I think that's the natural progression, right? Where you, you learn from a mentor or a coaching program. And then once you understand it, you start getting around people who are taking action as well. And you learn cheat codes, like you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, everybody, I mean, we kind of dived right into this, but Michael tell us, give us like a 30 second spiel on who you are, you know, and then we'll dive into uh, your experience. So yeah. Tell us who you are. Yeah, for sure, man. So I'm a father, I'm a husband, and I started my home buying company about five years ago because I was busted and disgusted uh, working a nine to five job. And I didn't think that there was a path to financial freedom by continuing to do that. So what I ended up finding is a education program. And I learned that you can make money in this business without having a lot of money. What little did I know, I ended up investing about 45000 on credit cards from a free event that turned into a three-day, that didn't <laughs> turn into a one-on-one. -on -one. And that was my entry into real estate. What was that with? I'm curious. Uh, it was called... I think it was called Doug Hopkins Real Estate Success Formula, but it was actually the, he was he was the face because he's the TV star. Right. Um, but it was actually a company called Xerex out mm -hmm. of Utah that's no longer in business. Mm, um, I know about those guys. Yeah. Yep. Um, they successfully helped a lot of people raise a lot of money to pay for education, and <laughs> I was one of them. And so yeah, forty five thousand dollars on credit cards, and my wife after I came home from that event, told me that she was expecting. And so we had, you know, debt, we had a baby on the way, we had the whole nine yards, and I was barely making ends meet at my nine to five job. So at that point, I was like, all right, it's go time. I got to wow. figure this out. That is wild, bro. That is that is a wild story at the just from there, right? So so yeah. how did they get you? Like, how did they get you to uh, drop the, the, the 45k? Did they just <sighs> promise you? great things or how did that go yeah i mean they sell you on the dream uh there's no question about that and you're there 
there's a little bit of high uh, pressure sales tactics. There's the FOMO situation where you're in the back of the room, call your credit card company, see if you can get an increase on here to be able to put this on credit. You can do 0% interest 12 months mm -hmm. and uh, you'll go make hundreds of thousands of dollars and you know, you'll pay that off. No problem. Like it's not a big deal. Obviously there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's what they do is they just tell you, Hey, you need this coaching. And if you don't like, we don't know if you're going to be successful. And, and that was enough for me to say, you know what, I'm going to make a call and I'm going to make this commitment. And this is my education mm -hmm. in my real estate journey. Cause I knew nothing about real estate prior to this. Does that fire you up a little bit that they got you like that? Or is that, are you cool with it? I mean, I definitely made an emotional decision. Mm -hmm. So looking back, it was not the smartest thing I've ever done, mm -hmm. but I'm not angry. Um, yeah. I'm thankful because I got some pretty good lines of credit by yeah, doing yeah. that, that I still have today. My TED, my credit tanked mm -hmm. after that. Cause I had 45 on the 60 line, but yeah, no hard feelings at all. Just, uh, knew I needed to figure it out and it was yeah. on me to make that happen. I looked in the mirror and realized it's, it's go time. I got to figure this out. You know, it's interesting about that. Cause I think, cause I coach, right. So I, sometimes I think like, uh, there's the guys that charge like the 20, the fortune builders, the, the, the same product I feel like that I could provide right for a lot less, but it's almost like that freaking giant charge gets people to take action because if they don't, they're in trouble, which I don't know if I think that's like the best business model, but like, okay, I'm going to force them in a terrible, in a, a sticky situation by charging them a lot, but it does, it does get people to take action. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said about it. You know, 45, I mean, that's a lot for what I, for what I received, but right, right. there's definitely something about you pay, you, you pay attention when you pay. Mm -hmm. And so not saying to go spend 20,000 or 45,000 on credit that money you don't even know how you're going to pay back. Cause this business takes some time. It does. And, yeah. and it took me time to figure this out. It really does. I totally get that. So, okay. So you, that's how you got your journey. So I want to ask you for the people that are watching this or will watch this, how do you get deals or what's an experience uh, that you've gotten to deal with no marketing spend? Cause we all know you can spend money to get marketing, but I, I want for the new be beginners, how can they go out and make money, you know, without any money? This is an amazing question. I mean, you gotta be resourceful in the beginning. I didn't have 45 to actually spend on marketing. So I had 45 to tell them to tell me what to do. And I listened. And so my first deal came from a for sale by owner. It was on a fourplex. Yeah. Happened to uh, be listed by a tired landlord that had actually lived in the four unit, one of the four units for t several years, called it up, said, Hey, see your property for sale. Tell me about it and set an appointment and went there. And I actually only negotiated off $5,000 wow. uh, off of his ask price. So he was under asking because the property needed work. And that was how I got my first deal. Contracted it. I posted it on the real estate investor group. My inbox blew up and I ended up taking an offer, contracted for 180, took an offer for 211 Ooh. on that fourplex. Nice. And I paid an agent and it was nothing but a disaster until closing because there were so many moving parts. Um, had no idea. Dude, isn't it crazy how those first deals like are, I always feel like the first deals get crazy. You know, my first deal was crazy too. I think this question is going to come up, but I have to share this because this is, people are going to laugh when they hear this. Mm -hmm. I'm standing with the landlord who thinks I'm buying it for cash and just bringing in my partner, right? <laughs> Little does he know with 15 people showed up to the inspection. Yes. After we accepted the offer, the person said they were cash, but they actually had a uh, line of credit that they had to get an appraisal for. The appraiser shows up to the property. I'm there with the owner. The appraiser is right here. I'm here. The owner's here. He says, man, 
I'm having a hard time with this. Can you help me understand why is the purchase price 180 and this price over here is 211? <laughs> and my heart just dropped. Oh gosh, yeah. And the seller, the seller looks at me and like he's like basically like, why is that? Yeah. And I'm just like, well, we're selling it to my investor friend uh, over here, and he's paying 211. Like that's yeah. it. I, I couldn't lie. Price. Like yeah. it was just the truth. And, and he's like, man, I really love some money on the table on this one, <laughs> man. That's crazy. And and the thing is like, that's, that's all we're doing. We're, we just know someone that will pay a little bit more, right? There's nothing. You said it straight. You're like, Hey, that's what I did. Is there anything wrong? With that? No, you no. know, no, not at all. That's what yeah. we, you know, and that's, it's, it's interesting because like the guy was paying for and when we buy properties from people, right, uh, or wholesale, they're they're paying for the convenience, speed, needs, right? So we were able to get it done quick. So uh, you know, he accepted your offer. That's that's just how it goes, right? Yeah. And that the moment that I cashed that check, man, is the moment that I realized that there was some real money to be made in this business. And I got pretty excited because I was a nutritionist when I was doing that. I think I was making thirty five thousand a year, oh, and that man. check was up more than half of my entire year salary, dude. And then you just got stoked about that, huh? You were like, oh my. The belief was just like, all right, this is real. Like I can do this more like again and again and again. No problem. Did anyone walk you through that deal or did you just get, were you able to get it done, figure it out all yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. So I uh, paid the Xerox company, um, mm -hmm. whatever I paid them on credit. And then I found a guy who actually was local and he was mentoring people. And his deal was we split the deal 50-50. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so he showed me a handful of deals um, that I ended up splitting 50-50 with him and worth every bit of it because there were situations that came up where I'm like, I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. So he's like, here's what I would do. And, you know, we figured it out. Dang, there's something to be said for those local guys that that help help out those new new guys. They're like, yeah, I'll take 50, but, <laughs> you know, it, it works. It Not, I'd do it again. Yeah. yeah, it's invaluable for sure. Exactly. And that's kind of how I help people in my program too, uh, is like, look, like the, I just did a deal with uh, one of the, the people in my club, right? It's like a, in, like a month to month inexpensive uh, program that I help people out with. We give them 60, 40, they take 60, I take 40. So we had a deal. He brought it to me. Uh, the house was uh, listed for sale by owner for 320. He got it at 275. And uh, I, I went out to see what buyers would pay and they were, they were at uh, 200, right? So he's $75,000 above where buyers want to be. So I said, dude, I didn't think much of it. I was like, dude, you got to negotiate this. I got a buyer at 200, get it below 200, offer 160. And uh, we might end up at like 180. He's like, okay. So he comes back. He's like, all right, I got him 180. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and I'm like, really? Okay. So signed it. Everything was good. It was actually 181, right? So 19,000. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, man, why did they take that? And it was probably just because they were on market for a long time. No one was biting. They overlisted it. So they just took it and, uh, it ended up happening that the deal, it was, they inherited the home from their dad. So we were going through the title, everything was ready. And then we, we find out that dad, that they inherited the property from had a $3 million judgment on them. And we're like, dude, this deal's dead. But we we were able, because I was able to work with them and, and go through some attorney stuff, uh, we were able to get it taken care of where we found out that in 2016, it was wiped out in the bankruptcy. But be, before, like if you're new, you probably would have just left it left it alone, right? You'd be like, yeah. I don't know you. But we were able to get rid of it. Check this out. So the, the buyer, everything's ready to go. Everybody signs. My buyer in uh, South Carolina wires the money 
and somebody from the title company that they were working, like they were wiring the money to, someone had hacked the title company's email system and put the wrong wiring instruction information. So they wired $200,000 to an account that no one, who knows, right? So I was like, hey, so I call them. I'm like, hey, how come this deal hasn't closed yet? They're like, dude, we wired our money to some fraudulent person that hacked the account. So I'm like, I'm like, you guys just lost 200K? And the, the buyer's like, yeah. He was actually pretty cool about it. He's like, yeah, I guess. He I'm never here. got it back? For, as far as I know, as, as for this point, he hasn't gotten his money back. So <laughs> at that point, so we had the, the $3 million lien. The buyer wired the money to the wrong person, right? The fraudulent. And uh, I was like, this deal's dead, bro. It's it's now the guy just lost 200,000. He's not going to want to buy it. So I said, look, buyer, it's cool if you don't want to buy it, bro. I, I, you just lost 200K. I'm not upset. He's like, no, we want it. We'll <laughs> so then they're like, give us another week. So then we got it done. But like that kind of crap happens. And if you're new, you're like, you're probably done, right? You're just like, I'm out. Like, I don't even know what's going on right now. So it's, yeah. it's true. Like helping people and having that experience can really help. Uh, get stuff across the finish line. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, it makes a big difference having that person in your on your side. So, next question I want to get into is: Tell me, I want to know. Tell me a crazy story that you have uh, from doing business. I kind of told you one, right? But yeah, <laughs> without even meaning to. Tell me something crazy that you've had because I know you've done a, quite a few deals. I know there's something a seller went wild or something happened. You got. <laughs> I have to share this one because it 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 made me say that I'm never going to do another deal like this ever again and I'm potentially in the middle of doing another deal like this. Uh, so yeah. it may yeah. just the reminder of this story could make me change my mind and tell the seller I'm not going to move forward on this purchase. So Let's hear it. it's a mobile home, okay? And this situation is bizarre. We started marketing in a new market and we got a lead from a mobile home and the lady had lived like I already moved and everything. It was a for sale by owner. We ended up, because I don't know if you, what you guys know about mobile homes, but it's not like a house. It's a bill of sale. So right. it's basically just like a piece of paper. And like, I didn't know if you could assign those or what, but long story short, we contracted for 20 and we just listed it. Like we listed it on Zillow and we're just vetting people, um, seeing if we'd find a buyer. Well, we found a buyer and this lady lived in like two states over and wow. she was only willing to pay like 2000 above what we had it for. So like, we're like, nobody else is interested. I contacted one of my buddies in that market. He owned a business. Mm -hmm. We facilitated a closing. He facilitated a closing at his business and we trusted them to change like the title and to, to, to not take the extra $2,000 of the difference and all that good stuff. Yeah. And you can only imagine, dude, the amount of logistics that go into that. My mind can't really comprehend what's going on. That sounds like a lot. It, it was a disaster. And so long story short, it was just a train wreck of a situation. We should have never done it and like learned a lot from that. But we're like, we've never wholesaled a mobile home before, but we're going to try it. And so um, long story short, uh, the seller got a check for 20. We got a check for two. And that was it. And like, it, we closed that deal, but it was just a complete nightmare. I have a mobile home uh, that was referred to me today. And this lady's like, I just want to be done with it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so when they get teed up and I've actually been given a mobile home before, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I don't, I don't typically deal with mobile homes for that reason, man. It's just do, not as clean. Do, do you feel like uh, in my, my experience, I feel like the ones where you, the, the smallest fees are the most amount of work. Do you, is that true for you? Um, Every time. Yeah. Yeah. 
because you gotta like wiggle you almost have to like wiggle and like i don't know you gotta you gotta renegotiate the seller you gotta work up the buyer the buyer is extra picky because he doesn't want to pay that you know what i mean so it's like yeah yeah, they're always way more work dang so so tell me a little i've never done a mobile home deal so it sounds like it's like a car, isn't it? Like uh, you have to like go to the DMV or something weird like that. I don't yeah, know you, much about it. You do it. a bill of sale and then there's a title transfer component to it. And you can wholesale them, but it's just a little bit more complex because part a portion of the money goes to the seller and then they basically have to cut a check for the difference. So I don't recommend it, man. I mean, I, I would, I'm prepared to buy them for really cheap and then just be the bank for somebody else. Well, yeah, that's yeah. That seems to be like the play that a lot of people do in the old homes. Did you, um, was it in a park where there was like a lot rent, like a lot fee where you had to like, cause it was, it was in there. Yeah, it was. And that was another component is we had to actually apply as the right. person to live there. And yeah. then we had to get their approval with the sublease. And I just got off the phone with this other lead that I was telling you about that they don't even allow subleasing anymore. So you just got to kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, that, that's another thing that I haven't dealt with uh, personally because I haven't done a deal. But I know that's like, okay, that the park is a component too. You got to like verify if they're cool with everything. So I'd be a lot more interested in buying the park. Yeah. And renting no. the land. Yeah, it sounds like a good gig. I know a lot of people get into that and they do well. So, wow. Cool, man. Well, I like that story. So kind of let us know, let us, the listeners that uh, are listening and that will listen, uh, let us know what, what you're up to right now and what we can learn from what you're doing right now. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, we've had a lot of talks on kind of the back end of everything of how our business looks today. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'll kind of just fill in a little bit about how I got here. Um, I think that's important to provide some value for the listeners if if they want to grow a team. One thing that I realized early on is that if you're going to spend money on marketing, you absolutely must track and know where every dollar is, but you also need to be able to respectfully handle that flow of lead uh, leads. Otherwise, you're going to be just be burning dollars. Right. And so um, early on, I realized that. And my goal was to build up a company that could operate if even I'm not the one who's making the calls. And so that's what I ended up creating. Um, I brought on an acquisition manager. I brought on a lead manager and slowly but surely just started bringing in the people, transaction coordinator, and so on and so forth. And what I learned along that is if you don't have a good process, you're just going to set them up for failure. Mm -hmm. And so simultaneously, we started really documenting the process for each department, right? You have your acquisitions department, you have your dispositions department, you have your transaction team, uh, finance and all that stuff. We just processed it out and give them the tools and the resources that they need to be able to take a transaction from start to finish successfully without me having to be involved with every aspect of it. Right. So wanted to preface it with that because today we have 10 full-time employees. We have some contractors and stuff like that too in the States. Um, And then we have a handful of virtual assistants as well. And ultimately it's not for everybody. Uh, We were talking, our overhead has gotten up there, but um, it's exciting to be able to watch an acquisition squad, you know, compete and go for deals and get after it. And so today, yeah, we're, we did 93 deals last year. We're on, uh, we're, 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 we're pacing to, to double that next year. That's That's our goal, but I'm more interested in the bottom line. So if we don't even get close to 200, that's fine. Um, if we can do bigger deals and less of them, that's a lot more, uh, less brain damage 
Yeah, right. right. For our team, because inevitably, even if you have the best transaction coordinator in the world, you have the best acquisition disposition. There are just some things that, you know, as an owner, you have to kind of step in and get involved with to help solve those problems. And so that's just the nature of the beast. That's yeah, what we do. For sure. And what markets are you currently doing deals in? So I'm in Vegas. Uh, Vegas is a market that we're uh, building up right now, starting to do more and more deals here. And then mm -hmm. uh, Nebraska, just for the listeners, I actually don't live in my main market where I do business, uh, hence the the virtual baller, right? <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I right. moved from Nebraska three, three and a half years ago and uh, kept building the business up and my business partners back there still. But yeah, teams all over the country. I have an acquisition manager here in Vegas. I have an acquisition manager in Omaha, one in um, Arizona and then follow-up specialists as well. But um, we just spend the money on the marketing, the leads come in and they know what to do. And as long as they're performing, you know, we can consistently close those deals. I have a question, I have a question about KPIs. Uh, do you have like a, a certain amount of calls that they have to hit or what is that main KPI that they have to hit like daily for your acquisitions? Yeah, so, yeah I mean, the, the calls, we, we have a 50 minimum is one thing that we track, but I'm not as worried about that because there, there are days where as long as their talk time's up and as long as they're having quality conversations and making offers, like if they meet a certain threshold of amount of processes and amount of offers, naturally their call time's gonna go down. So for mm -hmm. example, I think my acquisition manager has contracted two houses yesterday and I think it's either one or two today mm -hmm. already. So it's been, a, it's been a good week, but his talk time and call numbers are gonna be a little bit down because he's been talking to hotter leads and spending more time with those people because it just takes more time. Gotcha. So it has to, it fluctuates between uh, offers, uh, talk time and calls. Like if yep. they don't have offers, they need calls. If they don't have uh, calls and they need good talk time. Yeah, and it's probably not as clear as it should be, but what I'm most concerned about and anybody who probably manages a sales team can tell you this is uh, the, what's, what's on the board. What's the projected profit? So we're always looking at that, like, the projected profit, you have a minimum expectation that you need to hit. And um, then you have a goal, obviously, that you're you're striving for. So that's what's more important to me. No, totally get that. Do you, did you ever try to do the virtual like uh, PPC in every state uh, nationwide model? Or did you always stick with uh, your markets? I've always stuck with uh, some core markets, because I don't know, I just felt like, you know, how the disposition is if you don't have a it's network, a or it's, it's, a it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's the opposite bro. of painless man it's, it's painful <laughs> dude uh, that's that's right that's exactly right the pay, the ppc model of nationwide oh gosh that's a dispo nightmare dispo nightmare is the the truth and so we've picked a select core markets um, that we have contacts with and boots on the ground in in case we ever needed to have somebody run out there um, but we've also learned how to set the stage and i can kind of talk a little bit about that because i think setting the stage and expectation with the seller on a virtual deal is critical. Like, yeah, talk about it, that. Tell us it's about everything. It. So when you're talking to a seller, they need to know what to expect. And so, for example, when we have a process call and an offer call, they already know that even if they accept the offer, we're going to have an inspection period. And there's a possibility that if everything doesn't check out as we talked about and we get bids that are lower than what the contract price is because maybe we paid a little bit more than we wanted to, um, we're going to have to have a conversation about that. And they're not obligated to entertain anything less than what we agreed upon. But once we get that feedback, that is a possibility. And by the way, we're going to have people coming in and out of the house during this time period. 
to be able to make this happen. So you lay it all out there. Easy, easy. And that's exactly how it transparency is the key, right? You got to tell, set the stage. There's nothing worse than like that, that feeling that you had at the, when you did your first deal, right? You didn't, you weren't open about it. So he called, he asked you, right. But now you don't have that problem because you said, Hey, this is exactly what we're doing. We're working with some partners in the area. We're gonna have some people walk through the price. If everything works out, we're going to go through exactly what we said. If I see something that we didn't talk about, then we're going to have to talk, have a discussion, right? It's easy. Yeah. And there's no surprises. You know, you can just tell them, Hey, you know what? This is really tight. Like, I don't really love this number. Um, if I come back to you in a week or two weeks, you know, and say that this is probably not going to work for us, are you going to be able to live with that? Like, don't go move in your life until we can get this uh, inspection period taken care of. Right. And um, that's like, that's my mission, right? Working with new, new investors, because they have, I'd say 90% of them don't know how to have that conversation. They, they're nervous about it. They don't know how to say, how to be straight up. So they'll tell a seller, yeah, I'll buy your house. At a price, they have no idea if it works and they have buyers and they will avoid the call to renegotiate until their cancellation date or the, the close date for some reason. And the person's already moved out. Those are the ones that are giving us a bad name because they, they just don't know what to do. Right. So, yeah, man, I uh, definitely never want to put a seller in that kind of a situation. And people think that it's it's such a hard, scary conversation to have, but people appreciate the transparency. They're like, man, this guy's being like almost too transparent. Like I, I really trust him. I really respect him. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, dude, I love the way you're doing business. I think that's awesome. One thing that I struggle with a lot when I was had my wholesaling business, kind of like yours was bigger, was doing the nation, the multiple markets. That was a tough thing. But we were following the model that at the time it seemed like the sexy model, right? Like because the pay per click leads they were cheap uh, if you diversify your area. But the problem is again, it's dispo. So we got investor lift, thinking that would solve. There's nothing that's going to solve you getting a, a house in a crappy area. That's just no, there's nothing that solves that. You can't sell a property unless it's in an area that has investors you know absolutely so well let me let me say something about areas without investors because that was actually my belief as well for the most part and if you tried putting it out on an investor lift property to a town in the middle of nowhere nobody is using investor lift in a town in the middle of nowhere and if they are it's kind of just a fluke deal we had a deal that we could not wholesale but we like had it at such a good discount it was an acreage it's like a 90k purchase 250 ARB, like it was a home run deal. And we're like, why is nobody biting on this at like 130? Like we we're prepared to just like, you know, sell it for like way haircut of a price and just move it. And it was crickets. Like nobody could get, couldn't get a hold of anybody. I'm like, hmm, what if we could put this property on the MLS? What if we could get this thing out to more buyers? And so we just had to have a conversation with the owner and just say, hey, listen, like we want to move forward at the price that we've agreed on. In fact, we might be able to get you even a little bit more, but we're going to need two things. We're going to need access and the ability to put it on the open market. If we can do those two things, Mr. Seller, we're going to list the property. We're going to sell it. We're going to get you squared away, but that's what we needed to have happen. And sure enough, they're like, cool. We're going to go ahead and just novate this deal for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that means. Mm -hmm. We're basically canceling our contract once we find a new buyer and then replacing it and getting paid the spread in between. Dude, we listed that thing within a week. We had an offer for 169,000. Beautiful, beautiful. It it was nuts. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I agree. I think novations are um are like the key right now, right? Especially like in this market. Uh, do you do a lot of them right now, or do you uh not do so many? So many. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, since the laws are changing in some states, um, Nebraska being one of them, it's kind of becoming our go-to strategy. We're just 
letting the seller know, hey, if this is not a house that qualifies for our cash program, or maybe the price is just too far off, we do have a program for this. And in return, this is what we're going to need access. Again, we have them sign an attorney. In fact, and we list the property mm -hmm. and it's been a game changer because dispositions don't need a dispositions manager. The agent That's takes right. care of all of it. And we get a buyer who's willing to pay us more money. Uh, when you say the laws are changing in Nebraska, are you talking about wholesaling? You got to have a license to wholesale in Nebraska. Yeah. Right. Would you would you say doing an ovation is a, a, a some form of wholesaling or not? Not not at all. It's totally different, right? I mean, if you ask the real estate commission, they would probably make a pretty pretty uh, good argument about how it's basically the same thing. You're marketing a contract, but if it's not you marketing the contract. It's uh, and you have the seller's permission. They've signed all the disclosures, all the documentation. Then I would argue that it's it's pretty much like a wholesale without buying it. So, do you feel like those are that's like the up and coming thing now? Like uh, it will probably take over wholesaling novations. Yeah, I mean, I I do. I think in a year and a half, two years from now, there's going to be some serious legislation depending on how how many people find out about it and, and don't do it correctly because you could. You could also put somebody in a bad situation or mislead somebody if you're not very transparent on the whole novation thing too. Yeah. I think so the my process when I talk to sellers right now is low ball offer, like low wholesale offer. They don't mm -hmm. accept, then it's like, oh, I, I get why you wouldn't accept that. And then there's two other options. It's creative or or we can partner, right? We have a program for partnering with you. Is that kind of how you roll or do you just go straight to the novation route? No, we're we're always proposing the cash offer program first. Okay. Um, unless it's just so far off that you're like, eh, this isn't somebody, I, I would rather just not offend them because it's too low. We just say, hey, you know, your house might qualify for this other program we have. Um, and here's why we would do that. And here's what it would entail. And we would just present that program essentially. And it has, there has to be some sort of a FOMO. Like, let's be real here. Mm -hmm. If everybody gets this program, it's not as cool as if only this house, because of the age and the fact that it's not completely distressed, gets the program, it changes the psychology behind it. It's like, oh man, nobody's been approved for this program in like a week. That's you know? right. This yeah. is the first one of the, the last 20 that we've done here that, that's been approved for this. And they're like, hmm. This is pretty special. Yeah, know? I feel I feel good about this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I feel like that's like the best way to do it, uh, to present options to the seller, see what works best for them. And I really believe that the amount of people that are, are can accept the wholesale offer or will is very, very low. So you got to be able to work creative innovations in there or you're going to not do as many deals. Especially in this market, man. Yeah. We, we've been forced to pivot because there was just too much of a gap between the pricing expectation and the reality of what the cash buyers were paying. Mm -hmm. um, we're cash buyers. We, we close on properties all the time, only in our core markets. But yeah. you know, if you don't have to, you can definitely alleviate a lot of risk um, by having that other program. So we, we do creative as well. And we actually send a uh, letter of intent, like offer options packet to the sellers with it, those options. Does it have those three? Cash, uh, creative, and the partnership one? Yeah, and it has a, another program, which is basically just a realtor referral. Mm. And it sounds weird. It's like, well, people ask all the time, why wouldn't they just list themselves? And it's because we're taking care of everything for them. Yeah. You know, if the buyer's asking for repairs, we're taking care of that, and it's hands off. Yeah, and you in most of the time you just add it to the the, the disclosure, right? Like you you don't even have to fix it up. You can just say, "Hey, we'll give you that credit on innovation." Is that yeah, right? It's just basically a net net price to them and we'll take care of the rest. Dude, can you send me that uh um 
that letter of intent that sounds uh, pretty interesting i have one too yeah. i just kind of i would like to see the one the way you're set yours is set up sure absolutely well i love it man i love what you're doing and i'm kind of doing what i'm doing what you're doing but on a very smaller scale with specific you know i kind of told you my model right i want to help specific people that that are newer to the game but uh that's awesome i, I everybody that's listening this is exactly if you want to to go that route and build a bigger team that's exactly how you do it. you got to get people in place so you can step out and uh yeah you're doing it right i, I like i like what you're doing michael i appreciate you uh giving us a lot of your experience of how you're doing things yeah man absolutely happy cool. to help for sure. Is there anything uh, you'd like to leave the audience with be uh, before we uh, wrap up? Um, I mean, if you want to connect with me, you can do so on Instagram. Of course. Um, yeah, drop drop anywhere where people can hit you up. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll drop a, a link to my Instagram. It's Michael McDonald REI um, on Instagram. And then, um, yeah, I mean, have some free free tools and resources on my website. Uh, What's your website? It's the virtualmillionaires.com virtual millionaires that's a good name too man that's glad you, i'm glad you got that domain yeah thank you i i uh, almost had to fight somebody for it no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, like it, I like it okay so you got virtual millionaires you said dot com and then you have uh michael rei on instagram yep exactly and i do have a um i can give your audience if they want a little bit of a um it's an acquisitions accelerator Yeah, is what it's called. I can drop a link for anybody who's interested in that. If you're cool with that. A hundred percent. Yes, please. Anything, anything we can do. I mean, you're, you're providing a tons of value to me by being on here. Let me ask my questions and then you're, you're providing a ton of value to the audience. So yeah, appreciate it. And you do have your own show too, right? Your, your own podcast. I do. Yeah. So uh, behind me is the uh, virtual millionaire uh, show and it's essentially, yeah, that's what we talk about is we talk all about, you know, growing a team and I'm really big into marketing as well. I know um, it's not for everybody to spend a lot on marketing, but I definitely have. <laughs> I've spent a lot of money on marketing over the years. I don't know. I don't even want to know how much. It's probably been well south of a half a million easily. So. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And, and I believe that marketing is necessary if you want to scale. You're not scaling without marketing, in my opinion. You need marketing. But if you're new, you know, dabble a little bit in the free realm, try to network, try to get deals from going to RIAs. There's a lot of different ways, but as you get the proof of concept, you see that this works, which it does from, you can see from us that you can start diving into uh, picking whatever marketing channel you want. And Michael's a good one to a good person to reach out about that. Amazing. All right, brother baller, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we can't wait to connect in uh, Florida, man. Oh, we'll connect, man. It'll be good. All right. It was good talking with you. We'll catch you later. All right. All right. Sounds good, brother. Take care. Peace.